The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Top 5 Movies. I'm John Burke. With me this week is Michael Sanchez. Hello, it's just me and you. It's just us. Uh, Corey is under the weather. Um, she did make her list, though, and we will be going over her list. She just won't be here to give any feedback or take our usual jokes. So let's real quick. Uh, she came down with a case of Steelbook um, mm-hmm. <laughs> as a result of watching well, movies that were uh, longer than two hours. So, And we can edit her list to our whim, too, I guess, now. Yes. Uh, her I, list is now our list. It's all Johnny Depp in his various incarnations. No, oh, okay. no. It also would include Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> oh, yes. Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there'd be a sprinkle. Um, Elizabeth that. Olsen, uh, particularly yes. her casting as yes. Scarlet Witch. She really, really, really likes her. In fact, we've kind of given away our topic. Um, our topic this week is our top five casting choices. And these are... Uh, Choices we think are perfect, where the character and the actor are so in sync that they are almost indistinguishable and maybe iconic in some way. Um, as per usual, we've made our list in secret, and we will be revealing um, each other's list, although I already know Corey's, um, to each other as we go forward. And uh, before we do that, though, Mike, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, I we were just you were just mentioning your illness through the whole week. I'm hoping mm-hmm. mine does not last the whole week. So I hope to dayquil it not to this week because we are counting down to Thanksgiving break. That's right. I am and super excited. Yes. And is I mean, I know my kids will be going on Friday. Will she be joining them as well? Going where? Not to to convention. I you know what? I think so. Um, I okay. have the paper. I, I'm not involved in that decision-making process. Oh, okay. Um, but I know so. um, our, our hope for this Friday, though, as far as this podcast goes, is uh, it's time to pay the piper. Oh. That's right. Enough. <laughs> Mike and Corey should be watching this week um, Hudson Hawk, which is the film that I picked for them after I won the uh, Summer Fantasy Draft. And I can't wait because I have not seen this movie in a long time, and I'm hoping I still love it there's as much a, as I used there's to. A re- there's a reason you haven't, but, you know. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I didn't realize that Frank Stallone was in it until uh, yet the other day when I, Corey and I recorded Movie Club. I was like, "Oh, look at that! Frank Stallone even makes an appearance as one of the uh, one of the gangsters." Um, so sly. But yeah, I I'm excited uh, to see what you guys think. Um, we should be recording Movie Club next week with Mike and Corey, which is Mike's usually not involved with Movie Club. This will be his first appearance on that podcast. Um, is that how you really want me to start? I think it'll be fun. Movie Club. <laughs> Sometimes the the negative reviews are the best reviews. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the trick will be staying awake for it because I've already tried. I, I guess it's a do or do not situation. Yeah, I don't see how you fall asleep in it. If anything, I w- I would see you laughing at how dumb it is. But maybe maybe you need to try to riff track it. You know, just crack uh, jokes while you're watching. You it. know that 
that's kind of got me the sleep part of it got me through emoji movie because it's really yeah well it was free yeah thankfully i I can i could justify free but only for so long it it, uh, the we went from worst to worse uh, ish to much better with my picks because i i with that coupon, I went ahead and got Dark Tower, which we watched second, mm. and the War for the Planet of the Apes. Ah. Apes. And we actually kept those overnight, so they got us extra for those. But I'm glad we watched it in that order, because if we had watched War and then the others, I would have just been angry all yeah. around. War is fantastic, um, though, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. The first five minutes had more more emotional depth than either of the two movies from that batch it was just i i felt for i mean for a cgi ape and you know rooting against our own species except for the one mm-hmm. and um i was very surprised that steve's on oh yeah uh, i didn't recognize he was i didn't even know that he was part of that mm-hmm. so that was really also I, overall because the funny thing is the uh, mark Wahlberg of the apes was on and we recorded oh. it because just as a basis for comparison my son was going to watch it at some point and i caught it when it was on and remembered why i didn't like that one so. I, I don't think i've made it the whole way through that one but i've seen enough to to know what you're referring to um but uh, it uh, could have gone somewhere and then it went all sorts of places yeah so. Well, in uh, the Dark Tower, Idris Elba was good though as the gunslinger. Yes, oh, yes, he was. Matthew McConaughey was not. No, I, didn't I wanted think so him either. to be. Idris Elba was really. It's too much to cram into one film, and they, I think they try to PG thirteen it and go the kid route. Who I, having re- not read the books, it's it was too much, and by the time it's over, it's like mm, if mm-hmm. if. A Wrinkle in Time gets treated that way. I'm going to be very angry because I really do love that one that I've read and not read recently, but uh, my sixth grade self and a couple of times after, it, it stuck with me. So uh, that one, I can't remember who, but had gotten some pretty good early buzz. So I'm really hoping. And I think Chris Pine's associated as well as Oprah Winfrey with that one. Yep. Yeah, they are. Um, I hope it will be good. Uh, it's not, I don't uh, think it's the same company, though. I think it's – is Disney good. doing A Wrinkle in Time? I believe so. Yeah. And so they, they uh, should be able to treat it right. If not, that's another missed opportunity because that could be a franchise in itself. Mm. And others, there's a I'm few sure books. That's I just probably what they're that's going their, for. Yeah, that's their goal. And it's, it's it's. I really, really want it to do well. And I was kind of uh, like, no, why do this? But if it's done right, then I can excuse a lot. But. Well, I saw um, or uh, the Murder on the Orient Express, the uh, the new one this oh. weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I also saw, um, I saw Daddy's Home too today. Um, yeah. yeah, that's about right. Um, there, it, mm. you know what? It's it's more enjoyable than I kind of expected as far as Daddy's Home two goes. Although I did think they leaned into Mel Gibson's persona a little too hard. Um, oh. He's very much a male chauvinist in this, and oh. um, I don't know if that's like the right call 
coming well, from it's definitely the wrong time to kind of go with that. And yes, that too. Now, to be fair, he is painted as kind of the bad guy and being wrong in the the scope of things, but at the same time, the most of the jokes come at Brad's expense, which is Will Ferrell's character who is a little more feminine, a little more progressive. Um and so while they were saying like Mel Gibson's character is the bad guy, most of the funny parts come when Brad gets crapped on, you know, whether made fun of or something happens to him. So it's kind of this contradictory uh, point of view. Why are we getting a sequel to this when the other guys, I guess because it's so underrated, I feel would be ripe for a sequel. And they did so well together Mm -hmm. in that one. And Daddy's Home, the original Daddy's Home just didn't stick with me. Not enough to say, you know what? I'm ready to see a sequel. Grown Ups was the same way. Yeah. I wasn't... Grown Ups. Really I see. I like Grown Ups, but um, I, the sequel I think went a whole different direction than the first movie. The first movie felt more a little like sentimental, and you know, it was it felt like there was a serious edge to it. Like there's still funny like moments and whatever, but I felt like the storyline yeah, yeah. was more serious. And the second movie is just ridiculous. This one, I feel like they stayed in line with the same tone from the first movie um, because that that was the same thing with the first movie. Dusty's character was very you know. Um, masculine and he has to learn to tone it down and Brad's character was a little too progressive and he has to kind of, they, they find a compromise and that's kind of the same tone of this film it's just heightened a little bit because Mel Gibson's so present um, you're very aware of his uh, machismo played machismo. the other dad John Lithgow he's fantastic yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love him um, he their their relationship is uh Definitely, again, part of the jokes, because like, you see in the trailer, when they first get together, they kiss on the lips, which is not <laughs> something that I think most son and father would do anyways, uh-huh. but they definitely present that as this weird kind of overly intimate uh, relationship, and um, it, it's endearing at times, and it's it's rather funny. Um, and there's, there's some good moments, but the, it, it ultimately comes down to um, the four guys, like... The female characters in the movie are kind of they they have a couple of scenes, but they're definitely an afterthought. And even the kids, which is supposed to kind of be the focus of the whole thing, because it's about parenting and whatnot, they kind of fall to the wayside um, more than they I think they should. But it's it's fine, um, definitely passable. I'll tell you though, both movies I went to um, the one o'clock on Friday for Murder at the Orient Express or the one thirty, and then I went to the one o'clock today for uh, um, Daddy's Home Two. And both shows were fairly crowded with a senior citizen type crowd, um, so I didn't. Mm. I didn't think either. I, I could see murder being um, that target audience, partly just because mm-hmm. I, a lot of them probably saw the original in theater in '74, um, which I'm hoping to get to watch here soon. I, I got it on Amazon um, yesterday for like eight bucks, but um, the. Uh, Daddy's Home too. I, I wasn't expecting. I was expecting it to be fairly empty on a Sunday at one, and it, I was. It had quite the crowd. Um, it was in one of the smaller theaters though, but still, it was uh, more crowded than I've been to a lot of other movies. I don't know if it's just the season now. Um, Snowbirds are back in town. Uh, if that's why the theater's starting to fill up or what, but it's both had fairly good turnouts for our theater. Hmm. That is surprising. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of what else is out then. Seniors would check, choose that over. There's hmm. not much. Um, there's two. Uh, we have two like Christian films playing. Um, I saw the light and 
uh, I don't remember the other one because it's got Greg Kinnear in it, but it's a weird, the way the wording is really throws me off because it's like, don't know something I did or something. It's some weird phrasing that I can't think of what it's called, but um, those both, I heard people buying tickets for those, so I don't know how crowded those got after the fact, but there are definitely people going to see those in our area for sure. We're, we're the area for that, though, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, um, definitely. We were just talking about... Oh, I can't remember, but it, the, the main storyline is a transporter type of character trying to kind of kind of like ooh, he was Ubering two women and then find out they're part of a human trafficking. And I've read reviews on both sides of the spectrum uh, where he kind of gets involved and then he realizes, oh, they're, you know, they're part of the human trafficking kind of. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 kind of surprised me. And I can't remember, it didn't leave much of an uh, impact on me as far as the title because I can't. Priceless. Priceless is what it was. Okay. And I, I want to say it's on Netflix, but I, I don't know because I was only barely listening. Mm. I wasn't fully involved on that conversation. Oh, I did oh, see. Wait, um, I did. That's the, um, it's got the guy from uh, The Purge in it, right? Uh, does it? See, I don't know a thing about it I think... other than. Um, cause I remember hearing about something like that. It's all filmed, uh, from inside the car, I think too. Oh, really? Um, if so it's, it's the movie like I'm thinking gimmicky. about, uh, but it, I, I heard it was really, it, it premiered at a film festival, uh, Frank Grillo, I think oh. I'm double checking this. Okay. Um, cause I actually did want to see that and I didn't know it came out already. Um, cause the, the Punisher TV series comes out Friday on Netflix and I'm mm. excited to give that a watch. Um, so does, um, Battlefront 2. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to snag that in time, unfortunately. Oh, no, the movie I'm thinking of is called Wheelman, so definitely not the same movie. Nope, not the same one. But it's a getaway driver for a bank robbery realizes he has been double-crossed and races to find out who betrayed him, and it should be on Netflix now. Yeah, it should be. I've been meaning to watch that one. got to remember to add that to my list because it's supposed to be pretty cool. Um, Mm. It's directed by Jeremy Rush, too, so... um, I know that name. I'm not sure why, but, um, but yeah, Jeffrey Rush. Maybe that's what I'm confusing it with. That might be exactly what it is. Um, all right. Well, our list this week, as said, is going to be our top five casting choices. Um, it looks like I'll be going first and then I guess I'll give Corey's, uh, pick and then Mike will give his pick. Um, we should, we should just make her last. Okay. There's no say. Yeah, that's fine too. No, I don't know. We could go either way. Or she way. could go first. <laughs> I guess we could do that. Um, but she's go- definitely going first next week, as- assuming everything oh, okay, then. works out. Um, ooh, I just looked at next week's topic. Um, that's going to be a challenging list. So, uh, getting into this, um, our top five picks uh, are made in secret, um, and then this is us discussing them. Normally, Corey and I wager um, what what we've seen of Mike's, but I don't think we can do that with this list because it's we're focused more on <laughs> casting choices. Um, so I guess I could say yeah. if I've seen the movie that you've picked your character from. Yeah, you could do that. Right. And she doesn't get a pick because she's not she's not here. here. I know she's not feeling well, but she doesn't get the get the pick anyway. I'm gonna go with two, um, uh, just because I'm not sure. Uh, but you won last week, though. I did. I did. Or and the I other did week, very well. Yeah, it was last week. Um, 
I, I did. I had, uh, I think, four. I think I saw all five of your movies, actually, last week. But, yeah. um, Which was a rare occurrence. That never but, happens. But it helped with, it was Mel Gibson. Um, so it was a very, oh, very no. narrow pool of uh, possibilities compared to other um, films. And I think there was one, though, that you had picked that I had only seen as a, a young kid, with the one with um, Meg Ryan. What? You mean Goldie Hawn? Cause Goldie Hawn, yes. Week. Sorry, Goldie Hawn. We watched that this week again. My son and I did. We just were it, the abs- the absurdity in it was. We got a good laugh out of it. Hmm. Yep. All right. Well, um, I guess I'll start us off. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm going back in time a little bit to mine. Uh, my picks are kind of all over the place. Um, I left some of the more obvious picks off, um, intentionally as a one. Um, I do. I feel like a lot of people would pick certain things, and I'm not going to say any in case you did or Corey did. But um, I tried to be real thought provoking, and I, I really sat and like thought about all. I mean, I have a huge list to pull from initially, and um, you know, weeding it down to five was more challenging than often. Um, but I I picked my number five uh, with Keanu Reeves, not as Neo, not as John Wick. Not as Johnny Utah, going back farther to uh, Ted Theodore Logan from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I don't know if you could have a more appropriate character for Keanu Reeves because pretty much since then, every character he's done has just been a deviation from Ted Theodore Logan, right? Like even his famous, whoa, and uh, I know Kung Fu in The Matrix have all been variations of that character from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure from 1989, um, a character he reprised in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And if rumor ever comes to tr- uh, fruition, he will be reprising again in a pending third movie of this trilogy that they both, um, both him and Alex Winter, swear is in the process of being made, um, or at least in pre-production. So... I couldn't resist um, picking him because I've always loved this movie going back to being a kid and still now, even though it's campy and cheesy, there's a special place in my heart for, uh, for this movie. So Keanu Reeves as Ted Theodore Logan. Well, it seems like lady agrees. And I, I'd like to get the timeline because (laughs) I would say this is almost like his role in parenthood is very close to this interesting and you know like you said he didn't deviate too far and even as far back now i'll be honest there are a lot of similarities between this role of his and bill and ted's and parenthood to the river's edge although a whole lot more darker and if you haven't seen that i think it's on amazon it's one of the services Mm. That has it, and it's really dark. I've mentioned Rivers Edge a while back, and um, it still holds up. I want to say that Crispin Glover is a little cheesy in it, but yeah, I mean, I remember seeing this one in the theater, and just, and even on top of that, we got passes for it somehow. We didn't have to even pay for it, so that was a bonus. And we, we uh, it was the first time I remember seeing Jane Weedlin. So yeah, this one, yeah, you. And without that, you know, without that initial role, we wouldn't have the Keanu Reeves we have today. Yeah, and it's you know, it's a it's a fun movie that I like to remind people it's out there. Um, I was surprised. Uh, one of we the T shirt that my department, um, my students get a T shirt every year for being a part of our academy, 
And um, the T-shirt I designed this year has um, silhouettes of uh, different movie characters. And one of the silhouettes is Bill and Ted sitting on the, the phone booth. And that was the only one that almost nobody knew. I think two kids knew what it was. And that was so depressing um, to me. So I felt I need to talk about this movie as much as I can to make people remember it. Because um, it is fun. Like, again, I don't think it's perfect or anything like that. But it's it's fun. It's campy. Um, and it, For what it is, it's very good. Yeah, exactly. And you do you actually get a pretty decent history lesson out of it. Um, you know, in a way that I think a, a lot of other movies can't pull off. So... Um, that's, well, that's my number thanks five. Thanks to famous people like Socratic Method. Yeah. You could, um... uh, Socrates. Um, all right. So Corey's number five uh, is Bill Murray um, as Steve Zazow from The Life Aquatic with Steve Zazow, um, which is a Wes Anderson movie that I love quite a bit. Um, it's interesting that she picked Bill Murray. I, I considered Bill Murray a few times, um, but he's... To me, he's such a character uh, that I couldn't pick an iconic a single role for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued. I wish I could hear her reasoning for picking him at number five, um, just because I that character does kind of mimic Bill Murray in some ways. Um, but I don't know if that was the writing of the character or if that's just Bill Murray being Bill Murray. Um, and. Oh, and- I would see for me, he's always going to be Peter Venkman. Venkman is definitely where I, I mean, that's the first movie I saw in the theater. It's always going to be what I associate with Bill Murray. Um, and honestly, if I was going to go a second character, I would go uh, with uh, Phil Connors from Groundhog Day, um, which or is my stepdad would go. And I don't know the character's name from Stripes. Ah, that that's a movie I saw as a kid, but definitely didn't stick with me. You've seen that? I, I yeah, not. I saw it when I, I should. Still haven't seen. watched it. I saw <laughs> Meatballs as a kid. Um, oh, there's another one. Yeah, but oh, and, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Guy. Yep. I was about to say. Um, I I think I saw a double feature of Caddyshack at like the old Dollar Theater when I, with when I was a kid. Um, Whoa. Yeah, my mom took me to a lot of movies. Um, it's the one thing I think she did very well. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I did realize Noah Bombach was a co-writer on this. Um. But that's Corey's pick. Uh, I, I mean, I love Bill Murray, and I do like that movie, so I have no issue with her picking it. I am, I am interested uh, to to hear why, though, because there's. I mean, this was a hard top five. I think one of the hardest to narrow done. down. Yeah, um, like there were tons of characters, and again, I was trying to avoid some of the more obvious choices. I just thought of two more that I'm kind of bummed that aren't on my list, but I'm going to add to my honorable mentions. Um, but. I, I definitely uh, I love that movie, and I, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, so I'm glad that he's on somebody's list. Because I, I know for a while I've been avoiding um, both uh, Quentin Tarantino and Wes Anderson stuff, so um, I'm glad to uh, to see it. And that well, least... I, uh, Oh, go ahead. Well, and my other question, have I been... I always thought it was Steve Sisu. Oh, oh I've, I've been saying it. I'm probably saying it I don't know how wrong. to pronounce it. I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know, because... I on one of mine, and I can't. It's my number two pick. I in parentheses I put the phonetic spelling because I'm like I gotta pronounce their character correctly because it's such a you know a classic character in my estimation. Plus, I really wish Adidas had released that model shoe because you know people would have gotten nuts for it. Well, some of us 
because there's a whole you know there's a whole market Etsy market for those oh, of yeah. this brand. I didn't know that. No, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, they don't make them. They never did. I think they were off one-offs for for that production only. Interesting. So I want those Adidas. <laughs> well, that leads us to your number five, Mike. What you got? All right. Well, I want to say because it's funny you say you're going back in time. Mine, my list, except for, well, no, um, two of them are in. One's in the '80s. One's in the '90s. One goes way back. This one doesn't. This one's from very recently, 2008. Tom Hardy as Michael Gordon Peterson, who renames himself Charles Bronson oh, in honor of Charles Bronson in Bronson. It's literally where he becomes Bronson. And I've forgotten because I haven't reread it and I'd like to watch it again. It's been a long while. All the different ways because it starts as a narration and then he looks like a old school circus master, you know, the way they do him up kind of the way he presents his story as he goes through different phases. And maybe, maybe they've done it to kind of reflect the volatility and maybe the way he is, he is what he's going through inside his mind, because Mm -hmm. I don't know that people would understand just the, it, it, I just can't believe that that's the same guy that played, the enemy in the Star Trek film, the the Reman, the Romulan, or you know what I mean, the clone of John Luke Picard, because he doesn't look the size that he becomes in Bronson. Um, <laughs> we have a cadet at our, our school. One of the things he's really proud of is that it gets swole, and uh, he got and Bronson got. You know, it's like whoa, he and just to see him go back and forth, he's going to be a. A, a very interesting to see him as Vain. Uh, I'm sorry, Venom, right? Hasn't he been just cast as Venom? Yeah, he is going to be Venom in the uh, Venom standalone movie that has nothing to do with Spider-Man. Um, weird. That yep. is so weird. But um, talk about. I mean, I'm not, and and even and, and it's tough. Again, one of those where it's tough to pick a role for him. But that one stuck out so, you know, so much for me that I couldn't not pay attention to it. And this is a movie that's been on my radar for a while now. I still haven't seen it, though. Um, I literally, I think, just added it because it's on uh, Tribeca Shortlist, I believe, um, mm. which is a service that Corey and I are trying out. Um, mm. It's only five bucks a month, and it's got a bunch of good stuff in it. Um I didn't. I didn't realize that Tom Hardy was ever in a Star Trek movie. To be honest, until you said that. Um, yeah, he. Uh, Shinzo, uh, I have him on the one Star Trek game. I think. That dude has done a bunch of stuff that I like. Yeah, he does. Um, because then he, because when you said he was a villain, I'm waiting for you to say Bane. You know. Uh, no. <laughs> and so. I mean, I liked his take on Bane, but it wasn't the Bane that I was looking for. No, but uh, I mean, um, he is a, good a tremendous He's a actor. Very good Bane. Uh, everything I've really seen him in, I've really, really liked. Um, and I need to, I, I wanted to see Taboo, um, his FX series that I didn't get to. Um, oh, yeah. Forgot about that one. But yeah, it's definitely uh, a film that I plan on watching. And it's also directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, I think is how you say his name, um, who is controversial uh, in some ways for me. I love Drive. Um, I, I, don't mm. think I can say I love Neon Demon, although I appreciate elements of it. It also bothered me to my I, core. I liked it. 
Like, uh, something about it appealed to me. That, many people, many people did. It just uh, there was some stuff that just bugged me. I didn't know he did Hollow Rising. Um, and then I mm. wanted to see Only God Forgives, which I've heard not good things about, but it's got Ryan Gosling, so I'm I'm in for that alone. But um, yeah, uh, he's I didn't man, he's done more than I thought too. He's done a lot more movies than I realized, but. Um, yeah, that's, I think, a really cool pick. I, it's a movie I want to check out, and I think it's one that uh, maybe went under the radar for a lot of listeners, so I think it's a, a good way to to encourage people to check out Tom Hardy's earlier stuff. Thank you. All right, and speaking of earlier stuff, um, my pick is, I think this actress is one of her first films, and I'm going to confirm that as I uh, start to talk about it, but um, it was definitely the first... I saw of this actress um and it, it's Chloe Grace Moretz as Hit Girl in Kickass uh, from 2010 you're um, gonna give us the explicit thingy I know right um now I, it is not her first role man this kid's been acting forever um Shh. yep but uh it's the first time I was aware of her and it does looking through her list here. It's definitely the first thing I saw. Nope. She was the voice of bolt, uh, not bolt, but young penny in Bolt mm. before Miley Cyrus mm. took over the, the age change. Oh, mm. and 500 days of summer, but I saw that late. So I did mm. see, um, kick ass before that. And, uh, let me in. It's the same year as kick ass. But again, I just watched that not too long ago. So, um, you just like, you just like saying that, I think. Yeah, maybe. But, <laughs> Uh, that performance as Hit Girl was so jaw-dropping and so crazy, and I can't imagine any other actress pulling it off in a way that was both shocking and yet very, very believable. Like, even every curse word she utters in that movie seemed genuine. It didn't seem like a, a child actor getting to say something inappropriate. It just seemed like that was who she was, and it was definitely what the character is supposed to be. And I've read the books, um, I read the books after the fact, but I definitely thought she brought the character from the pages to life. Um, and it would be very easy to fill this list with comic book movies, uh, but I didn't. This is my only comic book character, and it is um, not one of the mainstream comic book movies. While still successful, I think, uh, overall, um, it's a you know indie comic, uh, short run, six book series um and then done again as kick-ass 2 and then kick-ass 3 which i don't think they're going to make the third movie because the second movie did not do so well but um i thought chloe grace was great it definitely introduced me to an actress who i was not familiar with um even though i've seen several of her films since then including 500 days which was out a year before um she is she was a terrific actress although her last couple of films have not been on the same level. Um, and she did take a break from acting. It was on my understanding, although she was supposed to be in the new Louis CK movie, um, which I don't know that we'll see now because, uh, yeah, the story that broke the other day there, it was, the movie was supposed to debut, I think the same night and they pulled, they canceled the screenings, I believe because of the, the, uh, story that was pending. Wow. So, um, I don't know if we'll, we'll see that film or not, but, um, I know that I'm. I feel like she was supposed to be in it. So, but that's my uh, number four, Chloe Grace Moretz as Hit Girl. She's really the only one that could have played that role. It's funny having read because the interview she was given around that time, you know, mom and dad had not. It's like they had to clear it all, and it was kind of you know, am I allowed to say this? So it's funny that 
hearing that, having read that somewhere or heard it in an interview, how easily it just rolled off the tongue for her and it just, you know, it just, she just did, it was in her character and that's mm-hmm. what it was and how she did it. Yep. Um, no, no one else could have done it, I don't think. And I, um, one of her movies a long while back, um, Texas Killing, I'm going to get the title wrong, but it's been so long, loosely based on the murders up, up, up along uh, Interstate Corridor. Mm. And, uh, oh, man, I'm going to have to dig back. I want to say Texas Killing Fields or something along those lines. She was in it so good. You should, Since you like her, you need to watch that. And I want to say, I don't want to, I want to say the movie's called Hick. Something country-like. Hmm. And she was in it. Very surprising. We're, uh, um, not quite Black Snake Moan-like, but at some point she ends up being, you know, kind of, handcuffed and bound and kind of kept prisoner by characters and whatnot. Yeah. That was, that one was definitely on Netflix and the other one, I can't remember where, where I dug it up. Uh, you know what? I want to look it up because it's going to bug me the titles of them. All right. So as we go well, through that, yeah. while you look for that, I will um, go to Corey's number four, which is another Wes Anderson movie. Um, and an interesting pick, I think uh, Gwyneth Paltrow as Margot Tenenbaum. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I have seen this movie. Um, I think I, I've only seen actually most of Anderson's films. I've only seen once, with the exception of a couple. Um, I I don't specifically remember like I, I remember the character. I just I don't know. Um, I'm not a big Gwyneth Paltrow fan, maybe. So I'm I'm having a hard time like remembering. But it seems like you agree. She had the missing finger, very. Kind of brooding, quiet, silent. There's a love triangle between the two brothers and herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's probably one of my favorite Gwyneth Paltrow roles. You'll, oh, okay. you'll laugh, but my 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 first memory of Gwyneth Paltrow, and I, I kind of jokingly wanted to say it was one of my favorite roles, was in Malice, and she played a college student that doesn't barely make it past the first reel and ends up dead, mm. and. That's why I didn't say it was my favorite, because that would have been a little cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this one, she got it right. And just even the, the younger version of her, who I don't know, played her so well. It was just, I, yeah, I really like it. And I'm a Wes Anderson fan as well, so I, I can mm-hmm. totally see that. I, although I'm, it's looking like there's a theme with this. I get a feeling she's very limited. She's like, well, I'm just picking West Anderson's film people. No, that that is the last one on her list. Um, oh, I'll say okay. that now without revealing too much. But um, the other ones, I th- huh. I think one's very shocking uh, on her list. So later in the list, but um, I'll get to why and why I would, what what I would say to her when I get to it. But let's move to your okay. number four. Before I lose, I got the night the titles right. Hick from 2011. She plays a character named Luli. And also from 2000, she was busy. 2011, Texas Killing Fields, which I did get the name right, Little Ann S- yeah. Sligger, but I don't, Sliger, Sligger, I can't remember. That might be that's, why oh, she's taking a break from acting, though, because she, she did, like, that sounds like yeah. she's done six movies in three years, because 2009 is 500 yeah. Days of Summer. She has three credits in 2010, two right there. The kid for, yeah. Created specifically for her. Which one? The oh, the, the character! Kid, I believe, I believe so. Because that character was not in the book. Ah, see, I didn't read the books, but, um, and I don't remember uh, what. No, no they're not yeah. in my demographic. But my daughter did read the books, and I, I don't. She never 
said she wasn't or whatnot, but I didn't. I don't think I asked either because I wouldn't know to ask. But that's interesting. They made that character for because then she's not in the next movie. Um, but well, they probably switched creators and producers. And well, she probably was. She done. was busy, and she was probably busy. And she yeah. didn't have time for that anymore. That's a kid movie. She was doing like adult films, almost not adult films. That Whoa, sounds inappropriate. Hey I, there. She was Phrasing. doing Phrasing. grown Trigger. up films dramas more more mature mm-hmm. mm. cussing filled films they can have an assassin girl uh taking out diary of the wimpy kid characters although that would have been something to see with that said uh what is your number four now well it's funny that we mention war for the planet of the apes because one of the things that was highly praised is my number four picks performance but i'm digging deeper because i feel and i'm really glad that he's going to be highlighted in the upcoming black panther film andy circus mm-hmm. and i'm going all the way back to 2002 with his portrayal of the producer martin hammett oh. in 24 hour party people he is virtually unrecognizable in this role but he plays it so well i surely think that someone the character in, in real life is no longer alive has not been for quite some time, but I surely think that someone that was able to get the performances out of the Happy Mondays, New Order, the whole Factory Records groups that he was associated with would have been the way Andy Circus played them. He was brutal, and he. There's one scene where the main character comes knocking on his door for I forget. I think he was owed money, and he answers the door with this huge gauge weapon right up to the character's face and you surely think that that you know he's going to kill him because it's the that's how volatile that's how all over the place and maybe that's a theme for my characters that they're all you know all over the place emotionally and violent and he was and just to see him because because martin Hammond was not a small guy in andy's circus you know we're thinking Gollum and some of these other roles that require all this kind of very athletic type of movements and fluid performances. Totally, I I, I didn't even realize that was him hmm. until many years later. I'm like, wow. But I, but he, I mean, he can act, and I think he did pretty good as Claw in, in Age of Ultron. So it'll be nice to see him as a villain, and he definitely looked the part for sure. So he needs, you know, he's got he's got his niche, but it's nice to see him without the CGI component, the motion capture. He is considered right. to be the kind of pioneer master of the motion capture of that. acting. So that's and uh, there's a chance still. It's still a little early, but we're there is a push for um, his performance as Caesar to get an Oscar nomination, which would wow. be the first motion capture performance to be nominated. Um, I think he deserves it. I think his performance in War of the Planet of the Apes is as emotional as anything else that I, I saw this year. I surely agree, definitely. I mean, I teared up Yeah. Oh, a yeah. couple of times in the film, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm also in my mind thinking, that is a CGI ape. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, I think that's what got it right, and I'm glad the reboot has gone, uh, it's gotten better with each, with each successive part, which is unusual. And, um, yeah, I, I really love those movies and, um, the war was different than what I went in expecting it to be, but I still loved it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I was expecting more of a war than there really was, but, uh, it's still like, it's, it's a fantastic movie and so, so emotion 
like it, it just rips at your emotions throughout the film and it's yeah. circus um, well and and there's character development again from a cgi character you're going through these different things and what happens and what drives him through the film and then the realization and just all i don't want to really give it away because we didn't do the spoiler alert oh well oh god uh, Corey's not here we forgot to do spoilers <laughs> oops hey everybody we might ruin some of these movies for you yeah um, we might talk oh, well, about endings and things of that nature but of movies that are recently out ha 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 hopefully we didn't alienate any of our listeners but i really did try not to spoil it yeah just uh I mean, it's been out enough, and I, I read the spoiler even going into the film, and I'm like, it's funny, the ones that I read the, the spoilers for, I do sometimes get more involved in. Not the case for The Dark Tower, though. That didn't happen at all. Yep. Well, my number three pick um, is, ironically, it is a Wes Anderson movie. Um, after Corey's five and four, my uh, three, my three... You're, ta- you're tagging in like a Mexican wrestler. Um, is... <laughs> Uh, Jason Schwartzman as Max Fisher in Rushmore, um, yep. which I just I think this uh, I love Jason Schwartzman. And I think this character is kind of similar to my pick with uh, Keanu Reeves. I think everything I've ever seen him in is some deviation of this character. Um, you know, and to be fair, a lot of his performances are in Wes Anderson movies. So maybe that's just how Anderson writes his character. Um, this was his debut. Uh, his first performance and he will be um you know I, I love Schwartzman he's a villain in um Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim versus the world and I absolutely love him there. Um and and holding his own with Bill Murray in that film. Yes. I mean in his geez. first performance. And he he I, I love Bill Murray in Rushmore, but um I I do think Rushmore is my favorite Wes Anderson film. And I've I've seen them all. I like them all. But something about Rushmore has made me rewatch. I've rewatched Rushmore several times, um, and it's it's Schwartzman. Schwartzman pulls me in as much as I love Bill Murray in this movie. It's Schwartzman who I am drawn to, just like how he seems to pull everybody in around him. He has this like gravitational pull where everybody wants to be involved with him to some capacity. Even the bully ultimately were, is revealed that it's it's because he wants to be involved. He wants to be included with Max. Um, and that inclusion is what stops their their rivalry. It, it is how I feel myself. I'm drawn to this character, and I love this performance so much. And again, while he breaks away from this, he's not this exact character. He definitely always has this the flares, you know, the the sarcasm, the way he delivers dialogue. Everything definitely is Max Fisher all the way, and. I can't imagine anyone else pulling that performance off, especially not for their first performance. But um, that's my number three is uh, Schwartzman as Max Fisher in Rushmore. He that definitely is the role for him. Not, I won't say that's my favorite Wes Anderson film. It's tough to pick one. But if I'm yeah. going to, I was probably I would probably go Bottle Rocket because mm. that's one His of my first, earlier huh? ones. Yeah, I really did like it. Oh, I like bit. Bottle Rocket quite a bit too, actually. It's a toss-up for me with Rushmore and Grand Budapest Hotel, um, which yeah, I haven't seen that one yet, so see, I can't include it. I think that's uh, where he pe- like it's it's clearly a culmination of all of his talent. Um, it's everything he's been building to, I think. And a lot of people would say Tenenbaums, though. Um, yeah, I guess it just depends on what you're looking for out of an Anderson film. But Rushmore has just got so much witty comedy and everything. I just it just works for me. Um, but yeah, Bottle Rocket's great too. 
See, we're getting we're making up for our Wes Anderson uh, in, uh, not inclusion, but lack thereof uh, in this episode. So, um, that gets to Corey's number uh, three. Unless you have anything else you want to add about Rushmore? No, it's good. So, I really like the pick. It's a good pick. Corey's number three is a uh, not a surprise at all. It is David Bowie as Jareth the Goblin King from Labyrinth. Oh, oh she likes that cod piece, huh? <laughs> I don't want to say if she does or not, but uh, she I'm is saying, a I'm saying it. <laughs> crazy Davy 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 Bowie. Oh boy, David Bowie fan. Um, and so him being included on the list is not a surprise. Um, I I found it very hard to watch Labyrinth um, about two or three years ago. Uh, I don't know that it, it it's so 80s and so campy. Um, it didn't didn't really pull me in. It might have if I, I don't remember. I'm sure I saw this as a kid, but I don't I didn't rewatch this a lot as a kid. So I don't have the childhood attachment that I think Corey does. And um, why I'm not. I would not say I'm a David Bowie fan. I would say I'm kind of, I never really dove into David Bowie uh, as a musician. Um, I know a few songs that everybody knows, but I've never like studied his, his work. Um, so I don't have that connection that Corey does. But uh, I know you're a fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of our cats is named <clears throat> yeah. after him. But I, I wouldn't say that this is my favorite if anything, uh, maybe Man Who Fell to Earth or The Hunger or the special agent from uh, Jeffries from Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me, which sadly he couldn't reprise the role mm. for the uh, the, re- the return. Uh, but I guess, though, our pick is top casting choices. I can't think of anyone else who would have made a good Jareth, right? True. Um Oh, he just mm. he, he he did it very well. I mean, yeah, you could almost see Tim Curry slipping into those. Yeah, yeah, Tim Curry um, could could probably pull that off. Um, but I, I mean, I could. I, uh, I'm not an anti David Bowie person. It's just that codpiece. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't. Well, maybe he did get to pick. I don't know. Um, oh, he picked that. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. That's Corey's number three. Uh, that leads to Mike's number three. What, who is your third top casting choice? All right. Also continuing with my tradition or my theme for my number four and five picks of volatile characters, I'm going to 1992. And this was tough. I, I, I wanted to pick another role for him as well. I'll mention it in a second. But Alec Baldwin as Blake in Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Ah. And he has this scene where he's trying to motivate him, and he's pretty much telling him how it is, what the first place first place prize in selling uh, would be. Second place is a set of knives, and third third place is you're fired. Okay, because these are guys, except for Al Pacino's characters that have just been on, you know, haven't had a streak of sales in any way, but they get junk leads, and uh, it's hard to feel sympathetic to the salesman because they're basically saying selling junk property to people that can't afford it and oh, people man. that shouldn't be buying these properties as in senior citizens, young families with no money, basically bilking people and making a ton of money out of it. Um, and it's also my other part too, because Kevin Spacey is it's, with all that, everything's going on. He plays a, a key role in this film. 
but it's it's all males, very testosterone filled, filled, you know, uh, written kind of. It's a play. It's a mm. mammoth, I think. Yeah, it that, is. That wrote it, um, and <coughs> he comes in and just takes control. He's the boss in that room, and he shows it. And, and you know, one of the guys tries to give him some lip, and he shows him exactly what he's about and puts them in their place. And the other film, which was I really thought about giving him, he plays um, Doctor in Malice, which we've talked about before, and he has this whole scene where they, he's been asked by the um, attorney whether he has a God complex, and he goes off on that attorney because he's an attorney questioning uh, practicing surgeons' judgment call. And even though he had been drinking, because that was a point, and after the speech is over, he asked God, basically, because he's comparing himself to God in the whole scene, it, how many sh shots of liquor he had before he dug into the patient. That one, that was the one other role I wanted to pick. But Blake, because not, well, people haven't seen either of those, either Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, or Malice. They're kind of opinion pieces because of Alec Baldwin. But that's what I went. Glengarry Glenn Ross, I think more people should see. Obviously not for the kids because it is profanity-laden. Yeah, uh, I, I bought this a while ago, and I've been meaning to watch it. Um, the cast alone pulled me in because there's so many great people in it, uh, which used to include Kevin Spacey, which I guess his performances don't go away, although he as a person is no longer great. Um, and I guess he's never been great, but I didn't know that. Um, well, the role he plays is very Weasley, so it's like... Maybe not too far removed from, yeah. You know, unfortunately, well, like Al Pacino, Jack Lemmon, Alan Arkin, Ed Harris. I mean, the cast right there alone is pretty great. Um, and then you had, you know, Kevin Spacey, who generally does a great job. Although, again, dang it, why did he have to be? Yeah, this guy? It's, it's I. Well, I honestly, to be completely honest, I threw one of my picks out because of it, and I'll just share yeah. it. It's not even my honorable mention. I wanted to go with uh, Charlie Sheen as as Chris Taylor in um, Platoon, ah. but I couldn't do it, and that's one that I've watched I don't know how many times, and it's hard not to watch it the same way now. Well, my number two um, is, I, I don't know if it's, I, I probably shouldn't include it in a way because I think it is... Um, we're the, the idea of casting choice, we can't imagine anyone else playing the character, and I'm pretty sure this character was written for this actress, uh, and that might be kind of cheating in a way, um, although that could be said uh, potentially, I guess, for some of the other ones, but um, I went with Pam Greer as Jackie Brown in Ooh, Quentin Tarantino's yeah. Jackie Brown. Um, she's clearly, the character's clearly meant to pull, uh, elicit thoughts of Foxy uh, Brown and um, Cleopatra Jones, I think, was the other character that Pam Greer was mm -hmm. most known for. Mm -hmm. And Tarantino definitely pulled from those films to inspire this, although not exact by any means, but um, her performance in this film is so great, and she is just so amazing. Um, in fact, I could have pulled uh, three performances from this movie because I also think no one else could be Ordell Robbie, which is Samuel L. Jackson's character, <laughs> and I don't think anyone else would have been as good as Max Cherry um, other than Robert Forrester. Um, so I loved this film and it was one, it was, I think one of the last Tarantino films I actually saw. And, um, 
it's it's so good and i it hits uh so many beats that i'm just a big fan of in tarantino's stuff it's got great dialogue and her performance though was just so outstanding and she's an actress who i knew about but i i never saw the the old exploitation films um so i i really didn't know like her talent and i think the exploitation films have this like kind of over the top element to them so we don't take them seriously as performers and whatnot uh, in the same way that you would like a dramatic performance. And I think her performance in Jackie Brown is outstanding and it really showcases how talented she is um, in a, in a, you know, more a true to form type of Tarantino film. But um, I, I can't imagine anyone else pulling off that performance. So Pam Greer as Jackie Brown, my number two. I, I got to tell you, Tarantino's got this uncanny knack, this skill mm. for digging up performers that have not worked for a while. He yeah. did it with Travolta, revitalized that that career, got Forster, who I was just like, whoa, you know, and I remember him from 70s stuff. Uh, and for all, you know, and he gets these performances from people, you know, there are a couple of, I would say, maybe I'm not a fan of Fabian in Pulp Fiction, but I don't think that she's supposed, I just didn't, you know, if it weren't for her, we wouldn't have that whole conflict that happened with Butch's character. And yeah. uh, as amazing as he is and he, uh, the performances he could coax out of these characters and even, I mean, let's be honest, let's talk Chris, Chris Tucker. Yeah. Who is barely in the film, but he gives it his all. And it's like, cause he, you know, going in, he knows this is not a big part and a big yeah. part for him. And all you, you see what ends up happening. And that's, gives you an, uh, more of a insight into Ordell's character because that's yeah, how big cold he is oh, man. and lets you know the kind of danger that, that Jackie Brown is in. And um, uh, that's the other crazy part of it. It's an adaptation of an Elmore Leonard yeah. book. And he does really, I mean, when those are done well, they're done really well. I'm a fan of Get Shorty. I'm a fan of this one. Uh, Be Cool, I don't think did that well. Uh, I want to say there's another old one called 52 Pickup. Not that's way back when. Uh, it's a Roy Schneider one. Uh, you probably like it. Mm. Uh, not the best, but it, it's fair. But and all that said, he can't coax a performance out of himself like that. <laughs> well, I mean, um, you know, I think that's Tarantino's a film uh, like nut. I mean, the guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he uh, he lives and breathes film, and so. I think he knows talent that other people just aren't even aware of. You know, he's seen movies right. that no one else knows. And um, he's proven, like you said, that's a really good point. Uh, you could probably pick most of his characters, and they are probably perfectly cast because Tarantino is so selective with who he pulls in to do the roles. And like uh, your mention of Chris Tucker, some of those smaller characters are the same way where, like, like Tim Roth in Pulp Fiction is a very small part, right? But who else could pull that off, you know? And um, but and yet, as small as it is, integral to it because it's the super, yeah. Bo- the bookends for the for the film. Yes, definitely. Yeah, uh, I think I you know there Tarantino's another him and Anderson both as I mentioned earlier. I had uh, constantly left off one because um, it's such an obvious kind of like film nut answer you know like oh tarantino it's like it, it almost sounds like i'm trying to prove that i like quality film by picking either one of their films 
<clears throat> but I think at this point, um, I'm I'm confident that I've demonstrated my my diverse selection of film choices that I can throw a Tarantino and a Wes Anderson film into my list and it not be so bad. And again, um, I'm picking specific uh, performances from those films uh, rather than the films themselves. Although I am a fan of both of the films that I've picked, but well, it um, wasn't that long ago. I wouldn't say in the last couple of weeks, someone was kind of talking down about. Uh, hateful eight and it's it's hard to follow up Django Unchained but if you take hateful eight for what it is and I, I like the homage of kind of like because definitely has that the thing feeling which we've talked mm, about yep. or 10 little Indians thinking Agatha Christie where you could figure out there you know and set in the western and and even getting because you know I'm not a fan of oh I've, I've lost his name Channing Tatum Oh yeah, and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, oh, and that's a, you know, that's a small part, but I really, I, I got a lot out of it, and very, I mean, I guess very similar to the Chris Tucker, yeah. Part. Well, um, we'll go to Corey's number two, and it's funny because you just mentioned this actor, it's Tim Curry as Doctor Frank and Furter from <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, um, should have guessed that. Yeah, so that's her number two pick. Um. I still have not seen this movie, man. Um, I was supposed to watch what it this are you Halloween. Talking about and I can't do a Frankenfurter. <laughs> I uh, well, one my this year I I was specific to say thirty one horror films in thirty one days, and this doesn't qualify as a horror film, so I did not watch it on Halloween next year. Instead of doing thirty one horror movies, I think I'm going to do thirty one halloween themed films or something like that to to break away from horror i don't know that i want to sit through 31 horror films again by the end of the month i feel kind of down um you know it's a lot of like what well there's uh, and maybe it's the horror oh, you're films not I'm a, picking. you're not a horror film person <laughs> to be honest though. i'm not i am not and not the, like i wish i was not a horror fan because they scare me so much that i can't watch them it's more like it's just not what i generally look for in a film but there are I have exceptions, of course, too. Like it's not that I completely hate the genre. I'm just apparently very, very selective about which ones I really like. And um I did find some great ones. That um uh American Werewolf in, in London being one of that I will now oh, probably good. watch every October. I love that movie much so much. Much more than the howling. Yes, much more than the howling. Um and I'm still a huge Evil Dead one, two, and Army of Darkness uh fan. So those three films and oh the thing I uh, absolutely love which we never got to watch together. No, but I did watch and was just Did Taylor watch it? Uh she did not, unfortunately. Oh. Um she she was when at the beginning of the month I was like, "Hey, I'm going to do 31 horror movies. You going to watch them with me?" Yes. I think she watched none of them with me. <laughs> so What? Uh, she may have watched. Well, she went to the theater with me and saw No, she didn't see Jigsaw. She saw Happy Death Day with me. And mm. I think that might be it. Yeah, she is. She doesn't. She's hard. To, like she's actually watching a bunch of stuff on her own now, which is great. Mm-hmm. But um, like getting her to come and commit to like watch something with me is not frequent unless it's at the theater. But uh, she's she's binge watched the crap out of the office though over the last like <laughs> week. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but all right. So that's uh, not to deviate too much. But Corey's pick. Um, it's a, a iconic pick, even though I've never seen it. I know Tim Curry's performance in that movie. In that movie, is iconic, so makes perfect sense. And she is definitely a big fan of Tim Curry, so not surprised at all that that ended up on her list. Although 
her number one pick, which we'll be getting to momentarily, I have some issues with, and I'm gonna I wonder what your thoughts will be. Let's get to your number two, though. I'll probably get some issues with it too. All right, so I'm gonna go all the way back to 1985, and I part of me picked this because it was such a change from what they were known for. And the other part is uh, really uh, Michael Dorn and this actor, actress, worked together on Star Trek The Next Generation. And there was a soundbite of him kind of trying to make out her name. Uh, and he kind of read it uh, phonetically as in hoopie. What is a hoopie? And trying to say whoopie oh. Goldberg, who played Seely Harris Johnson in The Color Purple. Okay. which was such a deviation from the stand-up comedic kind of roles that she, you know, because she was a comic for so long. And mm-hmm. and every single person, having watched the trailer again, it's been so long since I've watched this, Oprah Winfrey, Danny Glover, um, I want to say Radon Chong, anybody that was associated with the Steven Spielberg production of the color, adaptation of The Color Purple just was right on but her character being oh the way the way she was treated abused i can't even go into it it would be triggering on many many fronts what happened to her but thinking oh this is this is i I didn't see whoopi i saw Seely, and it was her Mm. and you know and she has done comedic roles and you know she does she's still on the view isn't she I think so. I, 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 yeah, and just taking someone that is not known for their dramatic performances and getting such a performance out of her just was amazing, and I would have felt remiss not including it. She, I think she's an actress who gets, um, because she has kind of an iconic look, and yeah, comedy is definitely her wheelhouse. That's where, if you look through her filmography, that's where a lot of her movies lie, but she mm-hmm. has done some tremendous dramatic performances i saw the color purple when i was younger i need to rewatch it i actually didn't realize it was a spielberg film um mm-hmm. and i'm i'm kind of i've seen a lot of spielberg i i feel like i need to go through his whole um, filmography and hit yeah. any of the gaps that i have because there's definitely a lot um and he's done so many movies that i didn't even realize he did like i didn't know he did catch me if you can until i watched yep. that last year and um, he's in a lot of stuff, or he's not. He's in a lot of stuff. He's in a lot of stuff that I need to watch. And w- looking through Whoopi Goldberg's credits, like I'll say, uh, Karina Karina, which was in '94. Yes. That was a movie that I I definitely didn't have any appeal to see when I was that age. And I saw it as an um, not now, but probably about ten years ago or so for the first time. And I was really impressed with that movie, and especially with her. She's uh, m- manages to really like pull you in and, and care about her and her interaction with the little girl. Um, so Is yeah, that Mara, Mara Wilson or I think so. Um, uh, it's been a while. Cause it was, it was one of those that didn't get looked at on the rental shelf. And one of, again, probably like an understated, uh, dramatic performance more than kind of a lot, like a sister act versus, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is much more boisterous. And, uh, anyway, yeah. That's one I need to watch again. Yeah, and I, I still, like, there's little things like that. And Whoopi, I've seen in a lot of movies. So um, that's a really cool pick and one that, I know that movie is iconic, though. It's one that, um, 
you know, Oprah Winfrey gets a lot of recognition for. And I'm a huge Danny Glover fan. Um, so I, I like anything he's in. You not anything he's in, but I, yeah. I like to see him get his good roles. Character is just you. You, you when it when or if you watch it again, just some of the stuff his character does just was like yeah. And it's hard not to like because I do like him. Uh, Grand Canyon, he's fantastic. Obviously, Lethal Weapon. I thought the first Saw was really good. He did really well. Mm. Um, there was another one where they were on the hunt for. Not Horseman, but I think it was him and oh, what is that actor's name? He wasn't Horseman. Uh, name just escaped me. Mm. Oh, but yeah, really good. But just know that he, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not he's not the hero in that story. Absolutely not. Yep. Yeah. Well, my number one pick, um, kind of went without saying I think for me like almost immediately because it's a it's a performance uh in fact the movie is a movie that I feel so much regret for having made a really bad judgment about it as a child um only to find out when I'm probably 30 no I guess I was 29 when I rewatched this finally and fell in love with this movie um and it's probably it's arguably one of my favorite Spielberg films um, and it's Robert Shaw as Quint in Jaws. Of course. Um, I I can't imagine anyone else pulling off that performance. I love Quint in every scene that he's in, um, especially, though, the drunken moments in the boat and his monologue about the uh, the shark attack after his uh, battleship is sunk. Um, it is such an iconic performance for the actor and one that I can't I, I can't picture anybody else pulling off that type of character where he's crazy he's funny and yet there's this tragedy about him that you get that sense of um i i love jaws so much now as an adult uh as a kid i thought it was a you know flawed movie because i wanted to see the monster shark where's the shark i want to see the shark this movie's lame um, and as an adult realizing it was never about the shark, uh, it was about way more. And, um, I, I, I've, man, every time I watch the movie, I, I have to, even if I can't, like, if I'm not going to be able to sit and watch the whole film, I have to watch it at least until the Quint monologue. So, um, well, I'm bringing up because this isn't Quint related, but just those little moments that people forget in Jaws because it's all about the shark for most people. Mm-hmm. But between Roy Schneider and his son, and oh just yeah, least, uh, you know, having because I remember you mentioning it, and then I happened to watch. I think it was the J.J. Abrams TED Talk that yep. highlighted it. And there's so much more than just that. Um, Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman just did a. A really funny bit about the universal monsters figures but what about the universal victims yeah. <laughs> and the half the half body yes. figure you know that the, oh, these, the, these figures that would be destined not to sell or fly off the shelves but um that was just uh, there's a lot going on in jaws and he was a fantastic part mm-hmm. and uh was he the one that scratched his nails on the chalkboard on the board yeah on yeah, the board. yeah yep and so you know that gives you an idea of just a small bit of quince um, and you know, just, yeah, I, I totally see. It. And I, I should not have been surprised at that. Yeah. Pick. And I could have easily picked Richard Dreyfuss as Hooper for this as well. Cause I love his performance as Hooper. 
Um, and I consider Richard Dreyfuss uh, for uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, um, as I am a, I'm a fan of both of those Spielberg films um, quite a bit. And But Robert Shaw's as Quint, I just... I quote lines from Jaws frequently, and it's particularly Quint when I'm quoting, uh, or you know, my paraphrasing of the the lines. Like anytime somebody has to put something into something that is going into something else, I will try to make it sound like I'm Quint talking about Hooper getting in the cage. So um, I couldn't help it. He he had to be my number one. All right, <laughs> that leads to Corey's number one, and I think it's controversial because it's a character in a movie that's a real person. And so I don't know if you can say it's the perfect casting, but she picked Michael Fassbender as Steve Jobs in Steve Jobs. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> There's a real of Steve all Jobs. The performances that he's been in. Yeah, you know, like I would have said there's uh, I mean, can, can uh, I mean don't get me wrong; he was great in oh, it. Oh, so I great! Think, uh, Seth Seth Rogen was so good in it. Yeah, you know. I, in fact, him as Wozniak is a really good casting because I don't know if you could cast anyone else to anyone play else, Wozniak yeah. better. Um, and now there is precedence for this because two other actors have played Steve Jobs in film. Um, Kutcher. You have uh, Ashton Kutcher, and then you have the TV Do- movie. Doesn't really count though. The TV movie or Kutcher. Uh, no, Kutcher's. <laughs> uh, yeah, it shouldn't. Um, and then you have the TV movie where uh, Noah Wiley, I believe, played Steve Jobs in Pirates yep. of Silicon Valley. Yep. And um, I liked him in that. Actually, I actually really liked that movie when I was a kid. I don't know if it would hold up now, but I remember watching it and being really fascinated by it. Um, apparently, I'm really fascinated by tech company biopics because I also love The Social Network and I love Steve Jobs. I don't like Jobs though with with Kutcher that that movie's awful no, that, um, yeah. and not because of Kutcher necessarily it's just it's it's so boring and slow and I'm like how can you make a movie about this man boring um I've seen now two others that do an excellent job of making his life exciting but um it, it is it's it's curious to pick the best casting choice because if you were to compare Michael Fassbender and Steve Jobs they look nothing alike um so it is a. She meant she meant she meant the one where he where he plays with a mask on his face the whole time, right? Frank, that, that's it, what she meant. That's what I would have expected to be honest, because who else could pull that off um, than Fassbender? He he nails that role. But I I totally get it because again I think it's great casting. I think he does a tremendous job being the character in the movie. I don't know, and I I I even considered when I was making my my brainstorming list I had a couple of times where I thought of like biopic performances I'm like well can you be the best casting for a biopic because it is weird right like because then Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny Cash is really great casting but Um, Johnny Fox is Ray Charles yes yes exactly Audie Audie Murphy is Audie Murphy Will Will uh, Will I couldn't think of his last name Will Smith the easiest last name to know in the world as Ali um, even, you know, like there's some really great biopic performances. George C. Scott as George S. Oh, Val yeah. Kilmer as Jim Morrison. I freaking Val, love Val Kilmer as Elvis. The Doors. Oh, yep. Wait, wait, where does he play Elvis? <gasps> you don't know. I do know. That's what's throwing me off. Uh, Christian Slater. Yeah. Oh, tr- uh, true romance. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I was going to make a joke and say Jack Nicholson in true romance. 
as a jab at Christian Slater playing Jack Nicholson, <laughs> playing another character, but I didn't. Christian uh, Slater as Jack Nicholson in all his movies. Yes, exactly. He, he's nailed the <laughs> biopic. Uh, he's waiting for the Jack Nicholson biopic. He's like, that's when my well, career comes back. Leonardo DiCaprio's got, Leonardo DiCaprio's got the, the, the in on that. That's true. basically morphing into Jack Nicholson. That's true. All right, um, that leads us to your number one, Mike. What do you got? <laughs> well, it's funny you pick uh, Fastbender. No, I did not pick Fastbender as my number one. I went with one, and, and I feel like my pick would agree with me, mostly because, and we'll see if you agree as well, because after this role, yeah, they had work in other things, but he could never escape this role. And I went all the way back to 1960. Ooh. With Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates. Oh man, dude, that is and brilliant. He was Norman Bates as well as you know his mother, and basically went through the whole franchise and basically could never escape this role. It was a blessing and a curse. Uh, that you know Hitchcock gave him this role. I mean, I don't know the history behind it. I just know that even watching. There's a uh, I forgot the director's name, but Kathleen Turner was in it. Anthony Perkins was in it. Crimes of Passion. I've mentioned that before, and he plays a crazed preacher looking to save a woman of the night. But he has some interesting thoughts on how he's going to save this woman of the night. But basically, I'm like, that's Norman Bates again. He couldn't really ever escape this role, and that's why I'm like, this is. It, it was my easy number one, and right away I wrote him in right away at the beginning. Yeah, and I, that that's a great pick for sure because, like you said, he really is that character and does three sequels afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes perfect sense to be number one. I yeah, man, there's so many. There were so many to choose from. I'm not surprised that he wasn't on my list or even as an honorable mention because I didn't even think about him. But man, that is a perfect pick for sure. Um, I uh, I'm a little jealous of that pick. I gotta admit, that's one I I love. Psycho uh, and Anthony Perkins is so great in that movie. Um, and that one uh, Hitchcock, much like Tarantino and and Anderson, mm-hmm. not to elevate them so much, but they definitely have there's like this film snob pretentiousness about using any of their stuff because they are held in such high regard um, and are clear auteurs. You know, their their voices are very distinctive in their movies. Um, so. Uh, I've left Psycho off a few times. I, I know I've included it at least once or twice too, though, because it is a film that just it connected with me. Um, I, I just love it so much. So yeah, great pick. Uh, Thank you. That leads us to honorable mentions. Before I give my honorable mentions, I had a few obvious ones that I wanted to throw out there um, that I think many people would have on their list. Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man or slash Tony mm-hmm. Stark. Um, yeah. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Yeah. Um, which... Uh, when he was initially cast, did not think he would be good at it, and then think it was one of the best casting choices ever. Um, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool, um, which he kind of made come to fruition, and one that should have probably been my number one, but I felt it was too too obvious. Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim. Um, he he is Scott Pilgrim, like he plays bass for yeah. real. Uh, he is awkward and nerdy and. Uh, just perfect casting. I can't imagine anyone else pulling that character off. Um, but now for my actual actual honorable mentions, unless do you have any obvious ones that you wanted to just throw out there? Um, 
I think all mine were obvious. So I'm just going to give them. Well, no, I, I can go <laughs> up. I can wait to give mine okay. if you have your list to go through. Yeah. Um, I have uh, Patrick Stewart as Professor X. I thought <laughs> was I can't. I mean, I know McAvoy's playing him now, but I still think of Patrick Stewart as Professor X first. Um, Woody Harrelson as Tallahassee for, in Zombieland. Um, they tried to recast him in the TV series on Amazon, and it was proven very quickly that no, that's Woody Harrelson. No one else can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Jim Carrey as Ace Ventura, which yeah. um, they're talking reboot. about a Talk. reboot, and yeah. I, I, whoever reboots the character either has to reinvent the character or basically become Jim Carrey because that is Jim Carrey. Like Ace Ventura is basically Jim Carrey just demonstrating his craziness, um, and then kind of fan service. Um, Kevin Smith as Silent Bob and Jason Mewes as Jay. <laughs> um, Granted, he wrote that character for himself, but I I have to I had to drop it because I don't I can't imagine anyone else. Um, and I have tons of other ones, but I won't read them all because again, some are fairly obvious, and I, they might even be on yours. Um, I do have Corey's honorable mentions. She's got a few. Um, Heath Ledger as the Joker, which I considered as well. Um, John Cryer as Ducky in Pretty in Pink, which she um, is a huge fan of. She also has Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim. And then one that I didn't have on my list, and I feel really dumb afterwards, but Bruce Campbell as Ash, um, <laughs> completely. And I think I even wrote that when I wrote my review of the Evil Dead trilogy, that no one else could pull off what he does in those three movies. And yeah, um, duh. So, um, and what are yours? I went with Audrey Hepburn as Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Elijah Wood as Kevin in Sin City hmm. because he totally surprised me in a wordless performance having come off of uh, Lord of the Rings, hadn't he? Uh, yeah, I believe so. And um, yeah, so that was totally against what I would have been used to from Elijah Wood. Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. Charlize Theron as Eileen Wuornos in Monster. And oh, nice. the film that we, which I guess kind of addresses the Michael Fassbender, I didn't put it on my main because I'm like, that's a real person. But she just totally, you know, the prosthetics and all the makeup, and she became Eileen Warnos. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one is from a movie that we still need to watch together is my buddy, eh, Tony Montana. I thought he might. Yeah, I, I thought he might be on yours. Um, yeah, I almost put him on my main, but he got. Uh, down yeah and i have several several others that i i didn't read which i i'm sure there are some really great characters a lot of them though are comic book or like i feel like the comic book characters and the um sci-fi type like fantasy big characters are so iconic that it's hard to picture anyone else ever reprising them and then um at the same time you know um like i had michael j fox as marty mcfly and yep. that one's really interesting because Eric Roberts was cast to play him first, right? Wait, Eric, Eric Stoltz. Stoltz. I always do that. Eric Stoltz was Roberts cast. Is, uh, Roberts is very different. Julia Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Emma Emma Roberts' uh, dad, I believe. Um, I think so. And uh, Ooh, she got her looks from her mom then, mm-hmm. or her sister, her aunt. Uh, um, whatever. Oh, okay. Um, but Wait, Michael weird. J. Fox. Uh, yeah, it's very weird. I I misunderstood what you were saying, and I tried to correct it and realized that I made it weird. But Michael J. Fox definitely um, <laughs> he uh, epitomizes that role um, as Marty McFly and makes that character his own. And if you've seen the Stoltz footage, it's very clear how significantly different it is. And so I don't think anyone else could have pulled off that version of Marty McFly. 
And so it, it's such a cool topic, and it is very challenging. I know if we redid this list again in the future, my list would probably be different. Um, maybe a few would make it still on there, but um, again, like there were some obvious choices that I left off uh, just because I knew other people would already have them on theirs, or I didn't want to just do a whole comic book list because it would be easy to pull off like top comic book casting, you know, because there's yeah, so many comic yeah. book movies and <clears throat> like as much as I like uh, Batman, I I couldn't narrow it down to one. Like I like Bale's Batman, but I also like Michael Keaton's Batman, and I like. I like Affleck's Batman. I haven't liked really the movies he's been in yet, but I, I think he could be great if given the right script. I'm hoping Justice League on Friday, for example, uh, will nail that. But uh, yeah, I I'm apprehensive, know. but I'm hoping, um, you know, but that's our, our list for this week. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, Corey and I are watching. Oh, and Mike are watching Hudson Hawk for movie club this week. Um, so listen up for that episode to pay off from the summer movie draft. See if they put a little more effort into this upcoming summer, uh, so they can get their revenge on me making them watch Hudson Hawk, which has a 17 on Metacritic. Um, one of the you lowest really Metacritic like scores. So I like, like this us. movie though. So I feel a little more like us. <laughs> hey, at least it's a movie I also like though. It's not like I'm picking something I can't stand. I'm it not... might could cause you the kind of pain <laughs> it's going to cause us. So we'll see. Yep. But um, we'll be back next week. Until then, you can uh, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Burke Reviews. Mike is at Server Monkey. And Corey is Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. Um, you can email us, contact at BurkeReviews.com. Tell us casting choices that you thought should have been on our list or dispute things we had on our list or agree with us. However you want to do it, tell us about the podcast. Um, tell us about yourselves. We might read those on the on the show. Um, until next week, Mike, thanks for being here. Yeah. We'll be back next Definitely. week. All right. Peace Later everybody. Around Friday, Friday too. Yes. And Friday double recording this week. All right. Peace everybody. All right. See ya. Okay.